Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck nicks? What the fuck doodles? How's it going? What's happening? How's your denial holding up? How is your fortress of uh, of rationalization holding up? How's that holding up? How are you getting through your life? How are you managing your blinders so you can get a little joy out of your breakfast? What are you doing? How are you keeping things away from infecting the rest of your goddamn brain every time you turn on your phone? Give me some tools. Give me some tools. This is the way the economy works. How are you? What's happening? Welcome to the show. I'm Mark. Have we met? Nice to see you. No, I, uh, maybe I did put on a couple pounds, but y- it was worth it, right? Anyway, look, today on the show, Jeff Foxworthy, uh, he's got a new special out. Jeff Foxworthy, you, he, he, he was popularized in American culture by a tagline, you might be a redneck if, but I've known him, I don't, I, I've not known him for years, but I did one of my first paid weeks as a stand-up, either opening or featuring for him in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Very nice guy back then, and I still hold that thing in my brain. I'll talk about it in a second. What I did to distract myself from everything is get obsessed with uh, Beanie. Some of you listened to my Keith Richards interview, and I, I, I just couldn't stop pestering him about that beanie he was wearing, whatever you want to call it. I call it a beanie. I just wanted to know, man. I wanted to know where that beanie came from. In the, in the same way that when I first saw Keith when I was at high school, I wanted to get a guitar like his. It's just, it is what it is. It, it's a good hat. It's a good old guy hat. He looked great in it, and I just got obsessed with it. And I know it, some of it had to do with it being Keith's beanie. I get it. But I was annoying to the point where his people, you know, I... I, I <laughs> Yeah, I I really get myopic or selfish or what. I mean, the guy was here to promote the goddamn reissue of Main Offender, which is out the box set. But I just want to know where the fucking hat came from. And I guess I was a little I was a little persistent because I asked the publicist, you know, maybe find out where that hat came from. And then somebody who is follows me on uh, Instagram works for the Stones, and she's like, "All right, here, this is where he got it." Now, just basically shut up about it. We've had enough. We don't want to give any juice to this company. So just, you know, here, do what you will. I'm like, Jesus, can't a guy want a hat? I mean, I'm not looking to promote the hat. But the bottom line was, is after a couple of uh, false leads of my own, just poking around buying beanies, you know, I thought I'd spent too much on a couple of beanies. But these beanies, the actual beanies, uh, hand-knit cashmere, pricey. And of course, I mean, what did I think? That he got it at uh, Urban Outfitters? 
I mean, he's fucking Keith Richards. He's going to get the the most expensive beanie there is. Yeah, I, and and don't think I didn't buy two of them. Yeah, these beanies better. You know, I don't know. They when I put them on my head, they they better be magic. They better make me a fucking magician. They better make me a better guitar player. They better make me. I don't know. Fly. I'm not cheap, man. And look, and I'm trying to enjoy my life and also trying to uh, keep the darkness away by, you know, actively engaging in our economy. That's that should be the slogan for America. That should be the the progress. We're America. We're trying to keep the darkness away by actively engaging with our economy. Welcome. Welcome. Are you sad? Buy something. Are you depressed? Buy something. Are you terrified? Guess what? You can just get online and buy something. Pow! I just shit my pants. JustCoffee.coop, a classic plug that was unwarranted, unnecessary, and unasked for. <clears throat> okay, so you're like, am I going to give you the name of the place where you can get the beanies? If you, if you want to spend like three to $400 on a, on a hand-knit cap, I can help you out. I can I can direct you there. Go blow up their website. Go buy some beanies if you want. It's uh, Elder Statesman is the name of the company that made the beanie. And I'm not here to promote them on behalf of Keith Richards. I want to make that clear. They were very sort of like, you know, we don't want to. Okay. This probably get me in trouble. This probably get me in trouble with the Rolling Stones people. But look, man, it was a quest. It was a journey. And my persistence led me to the grail of the beanie. And I got it. And that's where I got it. So be it. I went to uh, I went to see Gang of Four last night. Look, I've got a couple of Gang of Four albums. I always liked the sound. I love the guitar sound. I wouldn't say that I was like uh, a crazy fan or anything. But, there, you know, I, I've got Entertainment and the other record. And I, I always liked them. But my friend Nicole said, do you want to go? And I'm like, all right, I should go out and do something. Let me go to a concert. All I do is comedy and hang around with comics. Maybe we should go see a show. So I'm like, okay. And I, even then I was like, oh, you know, we got to get out. You know, I, I can't, I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to, you know, get too many people around me. But it's not, I don't know if we're post-COVID, but uh, we're certainly fuck COVID. And I've been out in the world doing shows, obviously, for months and months, as you know. And I got COVID a few months ago. But it's been, it was amazing. To be out watching a show, there's an energy to it. This fear that, that some people have, it's like, I don't even know how to be in an audience anymore. You know exactly how to. You know exactly how to be around people. It's what we're supposed to be. We're, 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 we're kind of like uh, people are a, a species that needs to be around other people. It feels good. It feels good to become part of a bunch of people. Comes right back to you, man. I mean, it depends how terrified you are. If you're still terrified, don't do it. Some people were wearing masks, some people weren't. It's probably smart to wear them if you're still afraid, if that'll make you, enable you to engage with uh, the group, the group species activity. But uh, it was great. It was great. And at the beginning when, uh, when What's-His-Name came out, when John King comes out, the front man of Gang of Four, I'm like, wow, man, everybody's old now. We're all old. But that guy leaned into it and fucking kicked ass. And I guess the other original member is Hugo Burnham on drums. Sarah Lee, I guess, has played bass for them forever. She was great. And David, how do you say his last name? Is it Paho? The guitar player, which is the driving, the, the rhythm, the music of, nothing is more specific, really, than Gang of Four music, than the sound of it, that guitar sound, the drum sound, the bass sound. And they just nailed it because they're Gang of Four. But 
I don't know what they were like with the with Andy Gill before he passed, the original guitar player. But that guy Peho, if I'm saying it right, David, boy, man, he fucking nailed it. And it was great. It was electrifying. And it was fun. And I left before the encore, which is amazing. Get out. Get out. They left the stage. I left the venue with uh, my friend. We walked back down. I left my car at the comedy store. And I had two slices of pizza. Did I mention Jeff Foxworth this year? But he's a nice guy, and I haven't seen him in person since I opened for him back in probably 1986 or 87. Isn't that crazy? He's got a new special on Netflix called uh, The Good Old Days. He's a real deal. He's he's a real comic, and this is some real comic talk coming at you right now, me and Jeff Foxworthy. Here we go. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts go do you know we've met before you know that where i i i mean this is kind of funny but i uh one of the first weeks i probably got paid to do comedy i can't i don't it has to be i can't remember if it was after I came back from L.A. getting all screwed up on drugs or or before in between college and when I moved out here in 86. But I was emceeing at Laughs Comedy Club in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, my goodness. So it was probably 85 or 86. Yeah, I had just started. Right. And uh, I think it was me and you and Jimmy Woodard, Woodward or maybe. Okay. Uh, but it doesn't matter. But it was I was one of the first paid shows and you were the comic. And you were closing with, I kind of remember, it was like maybe your dad on a boat that was on a trailer. He was got a, got pulled over by the cops, for, yeah, for towing a boat. And they yeah. were like, no, it's not against the law to tow, but, but uh, law does require you put it on a trailer. Yeah, yeah I right. can't remember the bit. And right. it was like, uh, can you ask your friends to get out of the boat, please? Yeah, yeah right, right. Oh, my God. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's 35 years ago. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. But I remember it. I remember, you know, because, you know, you're just starting out and it makes an impression. And, you know, we were talking and hanging out. It's probably, was that before you were married even? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Wow. I got married in 85, so it was right around that right time. Around, yeah, it had to be you, like it. You know, now, have you ever noticed this? We tend to remember other comics old material better than we remember our own stuff sure until someone sparks it like even what just happened like, like you know, how did you set it up you know? I, I reminded leno yeah. leno of a joke he did yeah mike lacy and i used to just guffaw at this yeah uh, leno had a joke about the remember the amazing colosso man it was one of those old sci-fi movies where the guy had drank the formula and he grew to be like 90 feet tall oh, yeah, yeah yeah and 
It showed his wife was like at home ironing with the TV on in the corner. We interrupt this program. There's a 90-foot man pushing over hotels in Las Vegas. And Leno goes, his wife stops ironing. He goes, you know, Bob's 90 feet tall. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, And and Lacey and I would just wet our pants laughing at that. And Jake's like, I don't remember doing that. He's churned through so many jokes. Yeah. He used to do a joke that I used to, I remember about the... The, about commercials from the, they were commercials from the uh, Kling Peach Kling Peach the Kling the Kling Peach Advisory Board and what was the piss like this must be some job yeah. hello Kling Peach Kling Peach Advisory Board yeah is it okay if I can eat Kling Peaches on my cereal in the morning yeah we have no problem with that you remember that one I do yeah. that was that was uh, like and that again was like the '80s when he was doing clubs, right? Yeah, right. I remember. I God, think, he was so good in clubs. Yeah, I remember seeing him in the '80s when I was out here at the Improv or something. Yeah, just now, kill. I got. I got to check a story now. I don't know if it's because uh, it, I remember you telling me a story. Oh lord! I, I don't think it was about you, but it was one of these coincidences because you know I was a drug guy. I, it, it, I remember it, but it, it was about you on a beach, staying on a beach, and all these drugs washed up on the shore. No, I lived on. I lived in Sarasota. Okay, and I had, uh, I had gotten. I was young. I yeah. had gotten divorced, and so I had this. So you this married place, once before? Yeah. Like I got got married at the age of twenty, and, yeah. and was married for like six months. Yeah. It was this stupid. Yeah. So, but I had this place, and I needed the money, so I rented it out to two German foreign exchange students. Right. And they would get up in the morning, and they would go walk up and down the beach. Right. And I'm working at IBM, and I get up one morning, and the two of them are in my dining room, and they've got a bale of marijuana <laughs> and kit and like big butcher knives, and they're chopping it. And I'm like, "What?" They're like, "We are so lucky it washed up on the beach." And I'm like, "Dude, I'm going to work. This cannot be here when I came home." And when I came back from work, I think yeah. they had they'd moved I don't it know, like already. Sixteen grocery bags full of pot. Uh, <laughs> Wild, but I, I remembered the seed of the story. Oh yeah, isn't that trippy? Yeah, I'm like, but you could smell it from the parking lot. Sure, right, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. It was there. Uh, it, it, I think it paid for them to stay in America for another <laughs> for, six months. They're so, still here. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're, they're big marijuana dealers there God, for years. And all they did, they, and they would cook liver and onions every night. That was I, it. You remember? Oh, I just remember that a bale of pot and liver and onions. Yeah. yeah. So wait, so where did you grow up? I grew up in Atlanta. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go there soon. Are you? Yeah. Where are you playing? Buckhead. Buckhead. Yeah, yeah Buckhead. It's like a, a little theater. I guess it's like a five or six. I don't know. You know the theater? Buckhead Theater? Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm going to play. i see you. You're you, like 10 minutes from my house. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I, uh, it's it's not, I, I don't think it's entirely family friendly, but I, I you can say. Oh, I can. <laughs> Dude, I got 38 years in this business. You toured with Ron White. uh, You can handle it. I can handle it, yeah. Well, I just, I think it's interesting because I I watched uh, the new special last night. Uh, Did you? I did. That just makes me cringe. Really? Yeah, for another comic to watch it, yeah. That still makes you cringe? What do you think? What are you worried about? Uh, Honestly? Yeah. From the very beginning, I used to tell my wife, Tell me when I'm not funny anymore. I don't want to be the comic that's not funny anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking? Sure. Like everybody sees the old guy get up you know, and you're like, good. oh, no, dude, don't get up. She's don't. not going to tell you. Uh, she's not going to tell she's you. She's not. <laughs> you know what she told me? She said, you just listen closely. Yeah. You'll know. Yeah. No, I thought it was great. But, but what is the name of it again? 
Uh, the good old oh, yeah. days. Yeah, but see, I went, at the title, I'm like, oh, is he going to get nostalgic? But it's not quite, you know no, what I mean? Because no. there are some shitty things about the good old oh, days. Oh, yeah. It's a lot, a lot <laughs> yeah. of shitty things about so, the So, good like, days. it was kind of a good mix. And, and you still got it. But, it. but it is very, like, I'm always sort of amazed. Like, you know, I don't have to be dirty, but I, I'm not, like, I'm not blue. But, I, you know, language-wise, and I, you know, I'll push the envelope a little bit. Yeah. But I, I don't mind it. But I've worked with guys, like, Bargatze used to open for me. Yeah. You know, before, you know, he became a huge star. And uh, I love it. But, like, for some reason, I always say, like, well, you know, I'm going to warn you. Like, if you come to the show, don't bring your grandkids or anything. Right. Well, he's one, so, you know, he wouldn't get oh, it Oh, good, anyway. good, good. But uh, but that's the only reason I say that. But, no, I thought, uh, I thought you, you, how long has it been since you ditched that redneck business? On stage? 20, 20 years? You haven't done it in 20 years. Yeah. Isn't that wild? It, and it's funny that that's the thing everybody knows me for at the how height how's it not going to be the, at the height of it yeah i probably did it five minutes at the end of a show at five minutes out of a two-hour show at its peak right but there's a bunch of books yeah there's a ton of books and, and I, I started it. doing a page a day calendar on it in sure. 1990 Was and it? i still do it but it's, a, it's a big hook how are they not gonna yeah so that's it? yeah and so i'm i i saw it now not like I'm ashamed of it or I want to get, but it's like if anybody follows me as a comic, I think of myself more as a storyteller. Sure, of course. And they're one-liners. Sure. And and yeah. I think that's why they were popular. They were easy to remember. Yeah. They were easy to retell. Yeah. You could remember a line and you could sure. get a laugh and in the break room. People can make them up themselves. Yeah. They oh, yeah. And, and, and they do. Yeah. Well, I remember, didn't you... Those books, though, I mean, wasn't Vic Hanley helping you out with that stuff? Vic and I were buddies doing that. He passed but, away, right? Yeah, he did. He he died uh, uh, about six months into into COVID. Really? It was yeah. that soon, huh? Yeah. So from COVID, no, they don't know for sure. He was living in New York. Yeah, I mean, uh, I knew him pretty well. I mean, we had the comedy cell we for God, years. He was a funny guy. He was. Yeah, good nice guy. guy. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, but did you have people churning that stuff out with you? I wrote a lot of them myself yeah. in the early days, and yeah. then people just started sending them to me. Sure. And yeah, and, I mean, like I said, they were. It, it wasn't until I'd been doing them for fifteen years. One day, Rich Scheidner said to me, "Hey, uh, you you know you you're doing the punchline first, then the setup." <laughs> and I said, "What?" He goes, "Well, if you did it right, you should say you might be a redneck if." You have a complete set of right. salad bowls, and they all say "cool whip" on the side. He said, "You're doing the the other way. If you have a complete set of salad bowls, oh, right, right. you might be a red." Right. I said, "Oh crap, Rich! I never thought about that." So, yeah, <laughs> the, the it worked. You know, old Rich Scheidner, the technician. God, Rich give you a little, little craft, a little shop talk. Yeah. All right. So, Atlanta. You grew up there with uh, how many? A big family. No, one brother, one sister. And was there? What, how? When did you start knowing you were going to do the stand-up? Well, I, I was one of those people that didn't know what I was going to do in life. You know, it was kind of like a family. That, Are you the middle? I'm the oldest. Oh, really? Uh, and looking back, I probably should have gone to like an art school or something. I, I, I'd, I'd always drawn and painted oh, and yeah? stuff. But uh, like when I was in high school, my I didn't have any money to buy my girlfriend a birthday present so i entered a speech contest where the first prize was 50 bucks and i won school. it yeah yeah so do you remember looking, that bit was it was no it, a, it was a serious speech it was something about america but <laughs> but i but i kind of knew about early america. that i could write <laughs> yeah yeah and i knew i could make people laugh uh but i didn't know what i wanted to do and 
I flunked out of college, and yeah. my, my dad was working at IBM, and so I think doing he, what he was he was like a manager for them or something. My folks had been divorced for they got divorced when I was really young, but I think my dad called some of his buddies and he's like hey my son's kicked out of college he's working in a grocery store can somebody give him a job and you and know one of it. his buddies called come down to ibm fill out a thing and, how'd you get kicked out of college well because i had no money i was living at home yeah. and and i was working full-time at a grocery store so i would work from three to eleven uh, so you just couldn't focus. and then i'd get up in the morning take eight o'clock it, it was just too hard georgia tech was hard anyway yeah, and yeah what were you doing there what were you going to go for Industrial management, which d- didn't didn't do anything. It was the easiest course that they had. Industrial management, but it was the closest college to my house. Right, but it was an engineering college. Right, you right. know, looking back, I should have gone and taken journalism or art or yeah. something. But you don't know. You're a kid. Do you have regrets about that? Or well, I'd say it worked out all right. Yeah, it worked out all right. I know, but was is there something in your mind you're like, I really would have rather have. Um. Yeah. I, I, Not really. You know, I mean, it happened the way it happened. Sure. But, but like, I, I learned real early in life. Like, I I would save my allowance and I would buy comedy records. I yeah. bought Flip Wilson and Bob Newhart. And, all, and then as you got older, you bought Carlin and Pryor. Yeah. But, yeah. And so I, I learned very early in life I could make people laugh. Yeah. But I just never envisioned that it was a way to make it. I didn't think you could do it. Right. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I thought you had to get a job, and right. and so I was working at IBM, carrying a tool bag. It sounds more glamorous than it was. I was fixing machines, um, like what kind of like uh, something you know, big computers. I mean, really? some of them as big as this room. Yeah, right. The, the big old screwdrivers, and yeah, you know, yeah, take yeah. the power yeah, supply yeah. out and stuff. Yeah, and but I was the guy that, that was at work doing impersonations of the boss in the break room. Sure. Every office has sure. that. Yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. The troublemaker. And the troublemaker. Uh-huh. I wasn't on the fast track to the yeah. top. And uh, <laughs> a bunch of guys I worked with yeah. would go to the Punchline, the local comedy club in Atlanta. To Pettis Place? Yeah. yeah. And they would, and they came back and they were like, dude, you're funnier than a lot of people down there. You should go try this. Uh-huh. And and so they entered me in a contest called the Great Southeastern Laugh-Off. It wasn't like an amateur night. It was working comics and they did like eight weeks. Then you had the semifinals and then the finals. It was like, what, 84? 84. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, crap, you entered me. And so I went home and wrote five minutes about my family and went down there on that Tuesday night and I won the contest the first night I did it. Yeah. And I was scared to death. I couldn't look at anybody, but I knew a minute and a half in, I'm like, crap, this is it. This is what I, <laughs> this what is I'm what I want to do. do. Yeah. It's like a, a blessing and a curse. A, a blessing and a curse. But it's because <laughs> you're like, so I quit. My, I, I mean, I went up amateur night for four or five months and I actually met my wife the same night. She was there. She was acting. The night of the contest? Yeah. She was acting. She had just done a TV thing with a guy that's a comedian and he was in the contest. So her and a Who? bunch of people, Which Robert guy? Peacock. I don't know. Um, and still, I'm still friends with them. So yeah. they went down there to root for Robert. And I won, but I met her when I came off stage. So I met my wife and my career four, four minutes apart, wow. which is crazy. Yeah. That was a Tuesday. We went out on a Saturday. I moved in with her on a Monday, and that was 38 years ago. So, like, you moved in with her, like, in, within a week? No, within two days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> within It was a good first date. 
I would say. And, and we're still together four decades well, later. Well, that's the good part of the yeah. story. Because like, uh, you wouldn't have put money on that. No, no. Nobody would have put money on that. <laughs> but, I, but I knew, I, I just like, man, this is it. But, you know, when you're from a working family. Did your mom work? Yeah. But they were in separate houses and you were kind of yeah. back and forth. and Yeah, mostly with my mom because my dad lived out of state. Uh, but but it was it seemed so flippant to not have a job job. Sure. Yeah. And they they get nervous for you. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Her, her. My mom's first question when I quit IBM, she, I remember sitting in her kitchen and yeah. she said, are you on the dope? Oh, yeah. Whatever the dope, the dope. <laughs> a variety. Yeah. Well, the broad ranging word for dope in general. Yeah. For drugs Are you in general. on the dope? And, yeah. And I said, no. I said, Mom, I think I can do this. I said, I, I think I can. And yeah. Five and a half years later, I'm on Carson and the same mother's going, you wasted all those years at yeah. IBM. And I'm like, OK. Oh, well, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then then it was like, wow. why did you get into this earlier? Well, it, well you're, you're, it's better than the ones that are like, well, do you make money on Carson? Does uh, that mean you're making money? Oh, well, my mother's still this past Christmas because I flunked out. I, I made it through three years before I flunked out of college. Yeah. Last Christmas, my mother's like, you really ought to go get that last year. <laughs> I'm like the, the comedy thing's going all right, mom. Yeah, yeah. You're just for closure, you know, yeah. just so you can have that degree. Yeah, you've got that something to fall back on, <laughs> just in case. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like most people. I think most parents are that I have found when I talk to people. It's not that they're not supportive; they're just nervous, and, and probably rightfully sure, so. Of course, if they can talk you out of it, you know. So, you, but what does security really mean? I mean, you, you know, what what kind of life you want to have? I don't know. We're just unique people. That, There's some part of us that just doesn't give a shit, and we're going to go do this. You're right. You, Be, you're you're right because even if we hadn't gotten paid, we'd have been doing this. Yeah, it's a weird thing, like they, that people don't really understand because like people who are sort of like, well, what if it doesn't work out? Yeah, comics don't really even think about no. that. No. <laughs> so so does it ever cross your mind because you're like me and you've gotten away with this forever? Yeah. Do do you ever just sit back and go, holy hell! I didn't, I never had to get like a real job. No, I I did it the other night in a hotel room in Laconia, New Hampshire, yeah. and it could have gone either way. <laughs> I, I could have been grateful, or I could have been like, what did I do? What the hell did I do? <laughs> but but I but Mark, I think that I'm like, wow, I, I kind of conned the world. Yeah, I, it's like when people talk about jobs, and you start to really realize, like, the last one I had was at a restaurant in college. Yeah, and that was it. And the other ones have been in show business somehow. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, and, and there's something within us. It's like my wife's sister, her husband was in the military, and they like knowing this is what we're going to be doing for the next 25 years. Yeah, I can't. Well, if any point in yeah. my career, if if you had said to my wife and I, what are y'all going to be doing in a year? We'd have looked at each other and giggle and go, I don't hell, I don't know. Exactly. I have a hard time now with tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I like I don't know. I got to look at the calendar. I don't know if that's a age of my brain or what, but I can't, I can't, I can't think about it. No. Especially, what are you going to be doing in two years? Hell, I don't know. Are you kidding me, man? This almost all went south for me. Yeah. It all seemed like you were on a pretty good trajectory, most of it. But <laughs> I was in my 40s, and I'm like, I'm in trouble. 
And it, <laughs> That's the first time you went, ah, uh, wait, wait a well, minute. Well, it was like, you know, if I don't turn this around, there's no turning it around. And I don't, and I didn't even know what to do. That's when I started the podcast and things turned around. And look, yeah, that, it seems to be going Yeah, okay everything now. worked out. But yeah. I mean, dude, I was in my 40s. Yeah. It wasn't, there was, like, I got shots. I was in the, you know, I was in the loop in the game, but, yeah. but it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. I had big management. There's no one's going to take, no one's going to be like, they're not your parents. Right. You know. Yeah, they're not going to take care of you. Yeah, so like, so once you win the contest, I mean, what was the, because that was what year, 84, so. 84. So the club boom's still kind of happening, so how do you you know, pay your dues? What do you start doing? You got five minutes. I, I mean, I, like everybody else, I started, I quit the last day at IBM was New Year's Eve, and I drove from IBM to Birmingham, and I opened for Sinbad for their New Year's show. In Alabama? Uh-huh. How was that? Well, I used to get so nervous I couldn't eat the day of the show. Right. And as I'm introducing Sinbad, he's cramming an egg roll in his mouth. That guy and I thought, oh, my God, that's my goal in life. Oh, I want to yeah. be able to cram it. That egg guy roll. can just do it. Oh, he murdered. He, he, murdered. He, he could perform eating. Murdered. Yeah. yeah. And But I, you know, I, I worked weekend. But was like, that like a black crowd? No, it was, uh, a, it was a mix, half uh, and half. But he, he it didn't matter. He sure. would have killed anyway. No, I was talking thing about you. I'm sure I, I, I have complete confidence in Sinbad at that. Point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one bit scared of a black crowd. No, no, I'm just wondering how it went. I'm not uh, saying there's it, no fear. It, it went all right, you know. Yeah. But I, I, like you said, I had hell. I had probably seven or eight minutes sure. when I started. And that's all you had to do. And I, you know, I, I used to keep those, remember those little uh, calendar books? And yeah. I would have, sure. I'd, I'd work Tuesday through Sunday. Go, I'd drive back home to Atlanta, wash yeah. my clothes on Monday and go back out. Well, yeah, but was there like a, a one-nighter thing too? Because I have all yeah. my old calendars oh, yeah. and I go through them and I try to remember those rooms. Because I was in New England, there were just dozens of oh. one-nighters. Same thing in Florida, North Carolina, there was just one-nighters. Right. Straight. So you, that's, you did that thing. I found- Two-person show usually, like opener yeah. and a headliner. Yeah. I found- the book from the first year I was on the road. Yeah, I did four hundred and six shows. Now that counts like two on a Friday night. Right. Or okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Four hundred six shows. First year. First year. Eight thousand three hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're getting your education, man. Well, that's how you learn to be. A, and and you know, I say that it's like if you want to be an actor, you go to acting school. You want to be a musician, you go to music school. You want to be a comic, you hang out with comics. Yeah, you want to be a comic, you go to this shitty place that has a comedy night. Yes. And it's you and some sad, bitter headliner. So you're doing those one-nighters. Like, who are the guys? Who are you open for? Killer Bees? (laughs) Bees was opening for me, but I'm trying to think like... (laughs) There was a guy named Billy Elmer. There Billy was, Elmer, right? He used yeah. to, and then he ended up in radio, right? Didn't he, Billy yeah, Elmer? I think Billy. Yeah, uh, I was. There was Frankie Pace. You remember? Sure, Frankie, Frankie Pace? with the little hat, the bald guy, did the miming, yeah. the piano. Yeah, sure, I knew Frankie. Uh, a b- bunch of guys from New York. John Heyman. John Heyman. Wow. John Heyman. I remember that guy. He was John funny. John Heyman made me laugh. He's funny, man. Just to hang out with for the night. Yeah. Yeah, he was like he was like a pre-Atel-Atel kind of. Yes, like a, yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, remember Heyman. And, and I would make myself. I, I think I was smart enough even then in the beginning to realize that this boom wasn't going to last forever. Right. And so I made myself get out of my comfort zone. I didn't just stay in the South. So I'd go to New York and do the crap gigs in, in New Jersey? Jersey and all that. The uh, Roger Paul and yeah. Tony uh, Camacho gigs. God, and... Tony Camacho with the biggest tongue on the planet. Uh-huh. Uh, or, you know, or go hang out at Catch or what. But I wanted 
for people to – I knew the, at some point the bottom was going to fall out, and I didn't want to be one of a thousand guys calling saying, hey, right. you don't know me, but – Right. So you wanted to get in in New York and stuff? Well, yeah, yeah and I don't know if you ever felt this way, yeah. but it's like in your own hood, like Atlanta. Sure. I could look at the pictures on the wall – and I knew where I fell in that list. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I may not be at the top, but I'm above these people. <laughs> Who was the top guy when you were coming up in Atlanta? Atlanta, James Gregory, probably. Really? I don't even know that guy. Uh, he's still doing it, still killing. A regional? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, he never... Well, that's the thing about these. Like, I came up in Boston. There are regional acts that kill... Kenny Rogerson. Kenny's great. He was a Boston guy first. Kenny, Kenny was... Is a... he down there now? No, I don't know where Kenny is, but he was funny as hell. I'm so thinking funny, of Boston Kevin so Meany, Big so Pants. Funny. Fan. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Don Gavin. You got Gavin. There were so many funny people from Boston. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Mike McDonald. Yeah. Mike, yeah. They're, and some of them are still doing it there. Yeah. I came up with Joe Yanetti. You know Joe Yanetti? Yeah, Yannetti? I do know Joe. Very funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I used to do open mics uh, after college. It was me and Joe Yanetti. And uh, who else? So you were working around some really good comics back then. Well, yeah, because I started doing it. The, the first time I ever really started was 84, the summer of 84. Well, now, was Poundstone from uh, yeah, Boston, she, too? I saw her do a show at the at the uh, Paradise where, you know, someone sent her like a million, uh, like a hundred boxes of those, uh, those ding-dongs or whatever. The show. She used to love those. It was some sort of pastry. But like when I started... I only did it for that summer, and that, then I didn't do it until I graduated. Then I, in 86, I moved out here and became a doorman at the comedy store. So why was that? It was too hard. I, I'd, put, I'd gotten into comedy with another guy, and we did a team thing in college. And then like when I, when I started doing it myself, just the, the, the hammering of the open mic at that time, and I was drinking, and I was a kid. I was 21. But I was just like waiting around to go on. Like Kenny, yeah. like I remember one night specifically, Kenny was hosting an open mic. He got shit-faced. And he just kept bumping me, yeah. and then all of a sudden, there's no audience left. He's like, "Ah, oh, I forgot." Yeah. After I've been there three hours, yeah. and it was just, it was kind of brutal. But as soon as college ended, I'm like, "All right, well, I'm in." And then I came out here, you know. But it's always brutal when you're like, I remember one night being at Catch, the worst. I wouldn't go there because of it, dude. And and finally, Lewis is like. <sighs> Okay, you're you're gonna go. All right, on Foxworthy, but, Foxworthy. But yeah. he said, "Hey, but uh, listen, um, George Wallace wants yeah. to do five minutes in right. front of sure." You. Well, George has never done five minutes in his life, you know. And <laughs> yeah, George gets yeah. up there and does fifty, oh, and then it's like, no "I'm there. sorry," yeah, you yeah. know. Well, to me, that twenty bucks was the difference between eating and not eating that night, right? You know? And also, there's the, the the idea that you did catch. Yeah, that it had this like I I would like you were some star because you did a set. At I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't deal with that place. Yeah, and just that guy having any power over my life, I couldn't handle oh, it. Oh yeah. So I just did the downtown rooms. I'd go do Silver's old improv. Would you, know? you do the strip? Yeah, sometimes you know Lucian, but Lucian was like, oh, yeah. I've already got an angry white guy, and I'm like, What do you want from me? Right. So I was sort of down at the Boston Comedy Club, and Silver when she had the improv in yeah. its dying days on 44th, oh, I'd do my that God. place right in the middle of Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, yeah, but that was all right. Yeah, yeah, it was like missing. It was a, it was a funky little club. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was great, and it was over. Yeah. by the time I got there, right. it was it was just me and Uncle Dirty <laughs> and Bob Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You know, it's like and I remember I was so the, like so the first time I went up there to work, they said it was a Jersey gig, and they said we'll pick you up in front of the Improv, and I yeah. thought the Improv, yeah. in New York, <laughs> and I get down there, and of course it's in Hell's Kitchen, and as I'm waiting for my ride, I sit, I watch a guy get stabbed on the come corner. on. 
two guys jump the guy, boom, boom. Really? Take his wallet. Here comes the police, the ambulance. And now I, I'm this Southern kid. Oh, uh, yeah. So they pick me up. I go do the gig. I'm telling them, the dude, they jumped, they stabbed him. So I thought, we go I do thought, the gig. I thought the bit would be now that it's like, well, I guess you're going to have to do his time because that was the opening. <laughs> <right. Yeah. laughs> no. So yeah. we get back yeah. and they drop me off in front of the improv. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's like two in the morning. And. My wife and I are staying at a horror. This is before they cleaned up Times Square. So we're staying at the consulate over there on 49th. And Uh I've got to get from the improv over there. And I have no money. Uh So I I hid my money in my shoe, messed my hair up, and I walked walked picking up cigarette butts talking to myself because I thought if they thought I was crazy, nobody would mess with me. It's so funny the the perception of New York, but you did see someone get stabbed, so it makes well, it a little different. Well, that's scared the shit out of me. So sure. I'm like picking up. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's a beauty right <laughs> there. That's a beauty. Talking to yourself. Yeah. Until <laughs> I got the last fifty yards from the hotel, and then I ran. just ran. Yeah. How the hell did your wife stay with you through all this uh, broke ass stuff? You know she she always felt. She said, "I never wanted a boring life. I always figured <laughs> oh, yeah. I would I would have a bohemian life." She never yeah. cared about. Like money or whatever, she yeah. just didn't want to live in a box. Well, did she come from that? Like, what's her background? I mean, like she's yeah. from New Orleans. She was oh, she was New acting. Orleans. So uh, like, yeah, so she, she lived in the real Bohemian. Yeah, world. she lived in the Bohemian world. She was. You know I, what she knew though about you is that like no matter how uh, how how dire straits got, you're a good guy. Yeah. Right. You know what she said, to, th- th- what? and I'll never forget. So. Yeah. So we so we meet. So she's there. She sees me the first night on stage, and we we start going out and doing this. Yeah, and and we'd been going out for a couple of months, and she said to me one night, she goes, "You have all this creative stuff, yeah, just crammed inside of you, and if you don't find a way to let it out, you're going to have a real crappy life." Yeah. And so she was the only one that was saying, "You could do this. You could quit IBM, and you could do and and and." Mark, I felt like, I mean, it sounds hokey. I felt like somebody was actually seeing me for who I was for the first time in my life. Yeah. And I'm like, really? You think I could make a life being creative? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because right, right, nobody's right. ever said that to me right, before. Right. Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, hell, let's do it. And we didn't, I mean, hell, those first few years, we got married in New York for a hundred bucks. Uh, we went down to to the city hall. And Why in New York? Because I'd won the contest and and I got to go. So this whole marriage and relationship thing was spontaneous. It's totally spontaneous. So <laughs> so so we're in New York and we're like, oh hell, let's get married. So yeah. we go down to City Hall and we get a marriage license, and we're standing in line for the Justice of the Peace. And this girl in front of us, her water broke right there, and I got so grossed out. I'm like, I can't do it in here. I can't do it in here. So we went out to the street and I found a phone book and I was looking for like Justice of the Peace and yeah. I couldn't find one. So I'm going to churches. Mm-hmm. And I called this church and I said, hey, do you marry people? And the guy's like, yeah, I'll marry you. He goes, I said, how much? He said, 300 bucks. I said, hell, we, we don't have 300 bucks. I said, why is it so much? He said, well, it's 200 for the chapel, 100 for me. I said, we don't need the chapel. We'll do it in the hall. And he started laughing. He said, <laughs> "He said, you know what? He said, he said, I'm right across from the garden at Central Park. I'll meet y'all there. Oh. And so um, – our wedding photos are two Polaroids of me and my wife and Andre the park sweeper with his broom who's got one arm around he my wife. He was the wife. witness? Huh? He was the witness? Yeah, and he's got the broom in the other hand. 
For a hundred bucks, we didn't even have enough money. We we split an entree at Tavern on the Green. That's how. Oh, that's and, a sweet story, though. Yeah, it's all sweeter because you're still together. Yeah, like these these stories would not be great if it didn't no, work out. But but it's like you know, my daughter got married like three years ago, and it probably cost seventy five billion dollars. And I said, look, you know how much your it mom costs, and Jeff. I. You know how much. I, it I swear to God, Mark, I don't because 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 like when my my wife's name is Greg. She has a weird name, but. So Greg and my daughter are sitting there going, and look at this tent, isn't it pretty? And they've got that. And I go, how much is it? And my wife would look at me and go, you're taking all the fun out of this. (laughs) And they would leave, and I go, well, I still don't know how much it is. (laughs) And then so the morning of the wedding, we got up, and and we're sitting there drinking coffee, and I looked at her, I said, I said, you know, I don't know if this is costing a dollar or a hundred million. Yeah. And she goes, Think a hundred million, and you're going to be really happy. Yeah. <laughs> so to this day, I have no yeah, idea. It, I, it was a lot. I know that. Yeah. Well, it's different. It's nice to be able to give your kid that, right? Yeah. So uh, it was a but great day. How old are you, though, man? I mean, I'm watching you on this thing. I, we can't be that far apart. I'm 63. All right, I'm 58. So you just you had kids. Pretty. I mean, you got grandkids. Just I, my first one. He's a one year old. We had kids kind of late. We were like thirty three when we oh, had the okay. first one. And they had. So your daughter had kids pretty soon. Yeah, she's early. like twenty seven. So yeah. Oh really? Yeah. I guess I don't really realize I don't have kids, so I don't see myself aging. So yeah. like I can't. Like, you know, I don't see their progress and go like, oh my god. Well, it's kind of weird because in your mind, come on, Becky. Yeah, I can. When I look at my grandson, who's one, I can still see my kids at that age. Yeah, you know, sure, aging sure. is, I don't know if it's that way to you. In my mind, yeah. I'm still the new guy in comedy. You know? Yeah, there's something that doesn't change inside of us. I, I do notice that. that there, For me, it's a, you know, some sort of fundamental weird insecurity. Like, no matter how successful or what happens, there's still, sort of, there's still some part of me like, how'd that guy get that? But don't you, you know? very clearly kind of remember being the new kid? and And now you're like, Crap, I'm not the new kid. I'm the old guy. We're, we're definitely the old guy. Yeah. But like, I see it more because I'm out, I'm doing you know the comedy store every yeah. night and there's all these kids running around. I'm like, I really don't know who's doing this anymore. And we used to know. Yes. And you know, you don't know. Yeah. And it's like when they ask me for advice yeah. and I go, well, I made most of my money on comedy records and DVDs, <laughs> yeah. which nobody buys records or DVDs anymore. So I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I think there's a lot more ways to get seen now, but sure. the pie is split so much smaller. You know, it was back 35 years ago, yeah. if you got on Carson and had sure. a good set, right, it yeah. was like the mafia. You were a made, made comic. Did you do yeah. Carson? Yeah. You did it with Carson? Yeah. No shit. So wait, okay, so you go to New York after you win the contest, you get married in the park, you see a guy get stabbed and a water break. It's a big, <laughs> big and get married. Big deal, yeah. <laughs> Beginning of life, death, marriage, and then you go back to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And what you become? What you just start working out I'm, the punchline? I'm just I'm, no. I'm a road dog. I'm all over. I'm. But work- I mean, who's run, who's running you out there? Is Depetta your manager? is managing okay. me at that point, point. Okay. And, and I am on the road every week because my whole goal was to do Carson. With Johnny. Right. And I know he's you not- knew there was a window. I, I know he's not going to stay that long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everybody was saying, well, it takes you 10 years to be good enough. Yeah. And I'm like, I ain't got 10 years. He ain't staying 10. So this was, that's what the, that was what was driving you. It was what- Because was, you saw your heroes on there. Yeah. And, and you knew that was it. Was well, it I remember idea? being a kid. Yeah. And the, 
my mom would watch the Tonight Show, and you know how a door's like not closed all the way. Sure. And I can remember I didn't care about the actors yeah. or the right. But when I heard a comic, I'd get out of bed and I'd go watch it through that crack in the door. Yeah. George Gobel and George you know Gobel. all those, <laughs> yeah, uh, and Rickles, yeah, and so Rodney. That was my goal. Yeah. And so I said, everybody said, "Well, it'll take you ten years." And I thought to myself, uh-huh. I said, "I'll do it in half that. I'll do it in five. Uh-huh. And it took me five years and two months, but I, but so I you did. started out as a feature, and now I started out as open, but I didn't open really? long. I opened for like four months, right. and then I was featured. But I right. was, but but I maybe it was IBM, but I had a work ethic about it. Like I go back to the you wanted to do the cars? condo. I was, I'd go over my set, and I'm writing. You know, it's way before you were recording your stuff, but. I'm writing every night. So you're the guy writing while the headliner's drunk or having yes. sex in the Oh, other yeah, room. yeah. They're, everybody else <laughs> Someone's is... sitting at the table doing blow, and you're like, no, thank you. No. I'm, <laughs> I'm working on my set. Uh, uh, so so this is... Oh, that's the picture. I was wondering, like, are you texting? No. Uh, oh, yeah, look at that. And he's laughing. Yeah, he's laughing. You and your thin tie. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great shot. Yeah, I did. I uh, did uh, Fallon a few years ago, and the lady said, "Hey, I was going back through the files, and I found this picture, and oh, I never that... got anything from Johnny. So it'd been there for twenty five years." And I said, "Oh my god, an actual picture? She had a photograph. Yeah, she, had the, she gave me that picture. Oh, that's great." And I said, "I said you have no idea how much this means to me." Oh, that's beautiful. Um, you know, it's funny is like you know I I was in the hotel room because uh, I did a string of dates last week. I'm watching all the late night guys, and I gotta be honest with you. You know, Fallon's really the the most fun to to do to play to, no doubt. When I do Fallon, like he's really he's really looking at you, like, are you gonna make? Me, is it gonna? Do, are you gonna do yes. it? Yes, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, and and Jimmy loves co- stand up. You him. know, loves yeah. comedy. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, he's excited. Yeah, I I did because a lot of people were kind of hard on him at first, but I'm like, he's the most fun to as a comic to sit in that chair next to him. And like he's looking at you f- for real, like make me laugh. And he also knows how to save people. Like he, you know, if you're. Oh, yes. So he's good at that. But see, like you, like Letterman loved you. Well, I mean, I did it a few times and I don't know that he really remembered me. I saw him the other night, dude. It was very funny. Uh, someone brought him over to the comedy store to see me specifically. Like I, I've interviewed him. Like he knows me, but I don't think he remembers anybody was on his show. Sure. More than if you've only been on there like five or less times. He's I don't know. Yeah. But it was so funny because I'm backstage at the comedy store and it was like a weird night. It wasn't even a regular night. It was a produced show like that I agreed to do. And the the manager comes back. He goes, David Letterman wants to talk to you. I'm like, he's here? And he's like, yeah, he wants to talk to you. And my first thought was like, am I in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> going to the principal's office. Like, am I out? Yeah. Am I not going <laughs> to? <laughs> but I hung out with him. So what do you want? He just was come down with some people, and he just was, wanted to tell me that he loved what I was doing because no one was doing it, and it needed to be said. And and then we just talked for a while, and he and he was like, "Yeah, we laughed. I got him laughing. That's the best thing." Even in that picture of you and Carson, like I was on the patio of the comedy store, and I got Dave laughing, and you know that laugh from your whole life. Yes, yes, to and make when, them laugh. It's like, oh my god, it's it's happening inside of you. You yeah. know, like it's great. So five years in, you're out there. So you middle and what were you middle when you did it? Now, well, I just, I'd gotten to the point where I was, no, I, my first headlining gig was a year and a half into it. So, sure. Well, okay. Uh, so I was kind of headlining like at was the- Was that like imp- a triple imp- gig? Like, uh, wait, uh, yeah. No, it was like a KC, the Treehouse uh, uh, in Kansas City or oh, something. Oh, really? Yeah. So, 
But I was like headlining funny bones and punchlines and improvs uh-huh. and things like that. But I was living in Atlanta, and I kept mailing tapes to the Tonight Show, and they would just mail them back. Oh, really? The De- De- Pettit didn't have any? No, and they were, and they were like, and, and my wife finally said, "You're not going to know if you can do this or not unless we go to L.A." So we load, you know, like the clamp, it's in reverse, and we go to we go to What's L.A. What's she doing for work during uh, this one year? At this point, she's selling milk for a local milk company. She quit. I mean, she's doing a little bit of acting. Yeah, but she's. Uh, but we're starting to make enough money to live, and but you got to go out for it. But Leno, I will have to say, Mike Lacey at the Comedy Magic Club uh-huh. liked me. I went down there and worked, and Mike had Leno. But you moved out here. Watch me, yeah, moved out here on okay. a U-Haul, yeah. And um, so Leno went in and put a word for me, and then we'd been here about three weeks, uh-huh. and I did a set at the Improv, and Jim McCauley followed sure. me out into yeah. the lobby, and he said, "Why haven't you done the Tonight Show?" And I said. Because you keep sending my tapes back, you don't even open yeah. them. Yeah, and two two weeks later, I'm on the Tonight Show. So. And at that point, like that's what eighty six. No, that's like eighty nine. Oh, so 80, it's eighty nine. So yeah. it's almost done. So it was like the Tonight. He, I don't remember when he retired. He's like, I think he quit like ninety or ninety one. Right. Yeah. So like it was weird because you talk to the guys from the seventies. They're like that first one just meant you better have nine other ones ready. Yeah. That was a whole different time. Yeah. Those guys, they do five, and you didn't know if they're going to call you in two weeks. Oh yeah, they and which they might. Yeah, you know. But but so you had the one shot with him, one with him, and then with Jay, Jay took sure. over, and I did a million of them with Jay. It's but. so funny because I like I just drew a line with Jay. I was like, I'm not doing it. Like you know, like because Letterman was my guy. Yeah. Like so, I had this loyalty thing. I'm like, you know, like I if those two got problems, I'm going with Dave. Well, remember back in those days, we we almost had to declare you either had to be a Jay guy or a, a, a Letterman. Well, I was definitely guy. A Letterman guy, even though he wasn't like putting me on a ton. But I de- I definitely was a Letterman. But didn't guy. you? What's was Letterman weird for you to do? Like I remember, like. Letterman would almost try to trip me up. Oh, well, you know. oh, well, I didn't do much panel. Like, I remember, like, I just, like, the I did four episodes. I think I did four stand-up shots and one panel towards the end. Yeah. And the stand-up, like, you know, I work with Eddie Brill. First, I work, Zoe Freeman yeah. got me on first. Yeah. So, and we work with her, and I work with Eddie uh, on the sets. And I just remember one set I did. It, I, they all went pretty well. My first Letterman was great. Yeah. And I remember going to the panel, but like he didn't, we didn't do much of it. Yeah. But like right when I sat down, he goes, You can make that work on the road? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said to me when the cameras went out. I'm like, Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't sure how to take it, but I'm like, I, yeah, I do. I can make <laughs> Oh, I remember, like, I, I always preferred to do stand up, but that kind of went away, you know. I, I love doing panel, but I did stand up on Well, stand up, I was in control. Of the pacing and all, as, as, as opposed to somebody setting you up to tell the story about your vacation. Right. You well, know? I always liked, like, I did, I did like 50 shots on Conan. Like, Good I was on Conan God. a lot. I was on Conan a lot. Yeah. It, it, it never, it didn't sell one ticket. Yeah. But, because I think I changed my haircut too much. I always blamed <laughs> on my haircut. Like, if I could just, you know, you know, level off on a hairstyle and some way of dressing, I would be successful. <laughs> I picked a hairstyle when I was a junior in high school yeah. and I never changed it. I see it. it. Yeah. And the mustache, you yeah. you're set. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, the guys I always liked watching were like Richard Lewis on Letterman and like the panel guys, because yeah. then you could build this character thing. Yeah. So I just did panel all the time. And the other benefit of, of it was if they got stuck, 
They would call me. It's like, can you do it tomorrow? You got anything? I'm like, I got a bunch of half ideas. You could go on with half ideas because they were funny enough. Right. Do you know right, what I mean? Right, right. Didn't have to be developed stand right. up. Yeah. I, I, there's part of me that's sort of like, I wonder what it would be like to do one of those. Because by the time you know, the 90s come around, you're talking about four and a half minutes, five minutes. You're not doing eight minutes stand up. No, no. I mean, it's like five and, minutes. Dude. And I will say, like, doing that thing with Johnny. Yeah. Because you, you did stand up and then sat down? Right. Well, you don't know. I did. I got called to the. Oh, so you don't know if you're going to sit down, but you but, did stand up. But but I. So you're. But but you know how it is. You got to prepare that set. And and they say, I'm not talking five fifty five, and I'm not talking six oh five. It's yeah. six minutes. You're doing it around. You're going all over town and making sure this thing's exactly six minutes. Yeah, because you pulled it all out of context. Yes, yeah, all out of context. All yeah. pieced together. Yeah. So, I go up. They open the curtain, I find the star, and I get about three jokes in, and I get an applause break. Now, I'm smiling, but (laughs) inside, I'm going, oh, shit, this is messing it up. And I'm thinking three minutes down the road going, all right, I got a tag on that joke about my dad. I'll throw that. I'll get rid of that because this- You're pulling stuff out? So you're, yeah, I'm pulling stuff, and then I get two more jokes in, applause break, and I'm like, crap, I got to get rid of that whole joke. (laughs) So you're smiling and talking, but you're really editing- Two or three minutes ahead of That's yourself. Funny, because I would just my thought would be like, just talk over the applause, just stop the applause break. <laughs> you know, I, I, there's no way I'm rearranging this thing. I'm just gonna have to step on this applause so I can get yeah, the. Rest we don't of- want them clapping. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So after that, you're made guy. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it kind of yeah. happened pretty fast. I in '90, I won the. Uh, American Comedy Award, the club comic of yeah. the year, and then I got... Oh, when they still had that little sh- book that was yeah, at comedy the, clubs? Yeah. Or was it the Punchline Magazine or whatever? Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and then I did a, a Showtime special that year. It was like 91. Um, yeah? 90, yeah, so... And who were the guys there like around? Like So Jenny's still huge back then? Jenny right? was big. Yeah. Slayton? Uh, Slayton was big. Yeah, yeah. Um... Because you're going all over the country, right? So you see yeah. Jake Johansson. Jake Johansson. Yeah. Drake Sather. Drake. Uh, yeah, that was one of the... I, I, I worked with Drake quite... We did some little comedy festival thing together for a while, and he made me laugh. Dark uh, guy, dark guy. Larry... Larry uh, Miller. Larry Miller. Yeah. You talk about funny. Great. Oh, my God. He could string funny. a story out. Mark Mark Schiff, I know sure. you know Mark Schiff. Mark Schiff, he talks. He's got that weird wispy thing. Mark told me I worked with him at Zany's in Nashville early mm. on, and he took me to dinner back in the days where we weren't. Maybe it's before it was Orthodox. Yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, he said, you know, I just decided if I ever headlined, I would take the other guests to dinner because yeah. they're not making any money. Oh, that's nice. And so I'm like, I'm going to do that. That's your policy. Ah, yeah. that's good. So when did now? How does it really go down? You know, like, because I don't know, like, I knew Dan Whitney for a minute when he was at the comedy store when I was a doorman, Mm -hmm. before he was Larry the Cable Guy, Mm -hmm. right? And I never knew Ingval. I never knew his work at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Ron White, I kind of knew by reputation. But these guys, by the time you guys decide to do that thing, are big acts, you know, at Ingvall least regionally. was probably the biggest guy on the Funny Bone circuit, you know, because right, he was exactly. out of Texas. Right. And people, and when I started doing Funny Bones, they yeah. would, would kind of compare us. Like uh-huh. Some people thought 
Foxworthy was funny. Some people thought Ingvall was funnier. And then yeah. we met and we went, oh, hell, we like each other. I thought I hated your guts. Yeah, oh, really? Uh, Just because of what you're hearing about each other. And I knew Dan before, when he was Dan Whitney. Right. You know, he was like that the opening act at the Comedy Corner in West Palm Beach. And right. we were both Braves fans. So I'd schedule two weeks down there during spring training and we'd go to ball games every right. day. Right, yeah, yeah. And Ron, I saw Ron the first night he ever went on stage. His first amateur in Texas? night. Yeah, in, in Arlington, Houston? Texas. Oh. Arlington. Uh-huh. And uh, he, salad, was, he, was, salad. he was selling windows for a living. And Yeah. He's and a seller, him, that guy. And I went and found him in the corner. And yeah. I'm like, dude, you're funny. You yeah. need to be doing this. Yeah. So, so wow. So you saw him like when- His you know, very first time on stage. Come on. Yeah. What are the odds of that? Yeah. So and we just kind of became friends. Then he like quit his job. He started being a comic down there, and I worked down there a lot in Houston, right? Uh, well, this was in Arlington because he was kind of living between Fort Worth and but uh-huh. yeah, but he hung out with the Houston guys a lot and yeah. Um, and Bill and I became buddies, and and Dan, you know, I, st- I call him Larry half the time, and Dan half the time. But, uh, yeah, but we had been friends, and so 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 y'all knew each other. But like, so you're touring, you're just doing the headliner thing, and you're uh, you're appearing, and you did the Showtime special. I had a sitcom for a while, which I hated. You did? I hated. So I, 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 what I, was I, that I, called I, again? The Jeff Foxworthy Show. That's but, a clever name. Yeah. <laughs> But but I was never one of these guys that wanted that. It yeah. was kind of like somebody said, "Hey, you should. We would you like to do a?" Were you out here when it happened? Yeah. So how long did you live out here? Like seven and a half years. Oh, so you were really doing it? Yeah. And 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 then you just and, like, I, and I started doing it, and and then they didn't want me in the writing room because I was a comic, you know. And, right. and I'm like, let us make decisions yeah, for you. And this is TV, Jeff. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, it's called the Jeff Foxworthy Show. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I, so I just hated it. I, I, I'm like, because I'm like reading something that wasn't funny. Yeah. And then on Saturday night, I'd go out and do stand up, and I was saying what I wanted to say and making more money anyway. And so like, who who produced that? I, it started. My first one was on ABC, and then I did NBC. The same show went from one network to the other. How weird was that? Yeah. Um, and but, it yeah. got canceled, and then I thought, look, I'm just a com-. I, And I was happy. I, I was happy being a comic. Yeah. I didn't care if I did TV. Yeah. And so I'm like, if I'm just going to be a comic, I'm going to let my kids grow up around their family. I'll just move back to Atlanta, mm-hmm. and I'll be on the road. Sure. And that's what Nate did. That's what a lot of dudes are doing. Yeah. And so I and I had people out here that are going, you're killing your career. You'll never. Well, they don't understand when you just want to be a comic. Yeah. Well, they don't like that's not enough. But to me and still to this day, I think being a comic's the greatest job in the world. Yeah. It's better than being a TV star or a movie star. Yeah. It's, it's it's less work. Yeah, well, it's weirder. It's weirder. <laughs> yeah, How, you don't know what you're what kind of cojones do we have to go up and grab a mic and think what we have to say is worthy of everybody's attention? I know. Yeah, <laughs> and then, like, and if you're me, you know, they're expecting something. They, I resent them for that. <laughs> so, so like, we're, we're, I always start at odds a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's my style you yeah. know that's how i developed it uh, what do you want yeah but i i'm pretty funny lately i like it when i go uh because i'm not i'm not even taking an opener right now i'll go out and do an hour and a half hour, but two hours but see i don't want an opener i'm yeah. like if i'm going to go to all this trouble yeah. to get here i want to i like being on stage i yeah. want to talk and also it's like it's my show yeah yeah it's like yeah. And, well if you got the time just do it but I see mean, i the, think that's really cool that at this point in your career that you go i'm pretty funny right now yeah yeah, it that's was, cool. Yeah, thank God. It only took uh, thirty years. <laughs> thirty. 
<laughs> no, but you know it. You're you're cocky enough to know. I yeah, do I'm know it. Funny I do right know now. it right now. But all it takes is one show, Jeff. Yeah, oh yeah, you're right. Right. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, there's some, some nights I'll say to my wife, and I still got it. Yeah. Then, then the next night I'm like, eh, maybe I should just hang it up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'm done. <laughs> and then you get one new joke. You're like, I'm back in. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So wait, now, now when when the hook happened, were you like, you know, yes? You know, I I, I was lucky because. I had an upward tra- trajectory, but it wasn't steep. It was kind of steady. So after, so after the TV show, you're just a stand-up. Yeah, right. I'm, and I'm writing the redneck books. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're already doing the blue collar thing. That's in now. 90- that started in when did we start blue collar, Mike? Like around? I moved back to Atlanta in '97. We started blue collar like 2001 or something. Oh really? Like that. Yeah. That's big. You made guys made money, but we never saw it coming, Mark. Well, we had a. Uh, our first gig was in Omaha, yeah. and we had all we had all taken three months and said, we'll do this for three months, Yeah, and we ended up doing the first one for three years. We had no idea it was good, but but I remember the, the guys that were promoting it, they wanted some big production number at the end, where we all four came out and sang a stupid song or did what? something, and I said, and, and as a... And I always tell people this. I'm not just a comic. I'm a fan of comedy. Yeah. I love. Well, as a fan of the Carol Burnett show, I used to love it when they made each other laugh. Uh, right. Yeah, and I said, yeah. I said, can we do the opposite? And, st-? and you're just trusting your instinct. Sure. I said, instead of just doing talk. something big, yeah. can we just bring stools out and yeah. just yeah, try yeah, to make yeah, each right. other laugh? Right, right. And they're like, well, I don't know if it'll work or not. And you couldn't practice it, you know. Of course it's going to work. You got Ron and Whitney out yeah. there. Yeah. And so that first night... We got nine thousand people, and I get to the end. I was doing, I was fourth up, and so I get to the end of my thing and said, "Hey, why don't we bring the other guys back?" And they came out, and we do our little thing, and at the end of it, nine thousand people stood up, and we looked at each other and went, "Holy shit!" <laughs> yeah. You know what have we stumbled on? Yeah, here? yeah, just the chemistry. Thing. Yeah, yeah, and we were having a blast. Sure, you know, it's fun when you just you know, riffing. as you know the. The only negative thing about being a stand-up is half the time you're on the road by yourself. Right, And right. so this, you were hanging out with your buddies. Yeah, that's funny. And everybody's like, you know, hey, how how often was everybody like, where's Ron? Uh, every day. Uh, in fact, it's, I was like the dad of the group. Yeah. And so I would tell Ron when we had two shows, I'm mm. like, the first show, you got to mix Coke and Sprite together in your glass. Yeah. Because if you didn't... You wouldn't. You couldn't understand him during the second show. Oh yeah, man, yeah, so yeah so. do the fake booze. Yeah, the fake, fake booze, booze in the first show. show yeah. And he would do it. He'd do it. He'd do it for me. He loves me. Oh, he wouldn't. He, anybody else, he'd have told him to stick it. But no, he'd do it for me because you don't want to get him too loopy. Yeah, he, <laughs> heffy. He's always called me heffy. I'll do it for you. But yeah, that's great. So, all right. So, what about this show with the with the uh, the fifth grader thing? What's, I got, it called? What's it called? Are you smarter than a fifth? Now, grade? is this something you did for fun? Like, is this something like sounded like a fun thing to do? I got because you did it for a while. I right? got I did it for like five or six years. Yeah. Uh Mark Burnett called me. He said, "Would you have any interest in doing a, a game show?" And I said, "Nope, too cheesy." Yeah, that was my first answer. right. And I said, "What's the premise?" He said, adults taking an elementary school test for a shot at a million bucks. And I started laughing. I said, you know what? Actually, that's brilliant. Yeah. Because everybody's going to think they can do it. Right. And and I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And But what I liked about it, as opposed to doing a sitcom, was you could 
stack them. You could go shoot a bunch of them at Strip one time. Them, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 they like go on a out Tuesday to do that whole next you know? week. Yeah, yeah. And so I went out and auditioned for it, and they gave it to me, and I actually enjoyed it. I mean, yeah. it was, but I was. I was shooting when we were doing the half hour syndicated version. I was shooting eight a day. Yeah, I'm like, let's just get it over with. Let's run them through the thing and then let me go do stand up. Yeah. And so I mean, that, that was something I never saw coming, but right. I kind of enjoyed because I could still be funny. I could still kind of mess with people. I could still be funny and I yeah. could still do my stand up. So. so when you were building this special, what's your process? I mean, like you know, you're not. Are you doing small rooms? Are you doing 15 minute sets? Or are you just going out? And adding, you know, stuff on. How do you build an hour? I, I got the Netflix approached me about doing it. Well, yeah. I knew I was. I said, all right. The only way I can make myself write a new hour is I've just got to say I'm not doing any of the material I've been doing. Ever exactly. Again. And you, you got a job. Yeah. And yeah. so now you got a job. And I said, that's it. Not doing it. And started doing the note cards and started going to clubs on Monday and Tuesday, right. Wednesday night, and you know, literally holding them up, going, "Is this funny?" So you, were you going the Laughing Skull? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. With so no go, cards in hand, so you go to an eighty seater and just kind of figure it out. Yeah, that's you, the way to do it. There's no other. There's no, no other way, way to do it. Well, I, I'll get a black box theater and just riff. I just yeah. like I'll let people know what's up and you know, and fill it up with my fans, and I'll say like, well, "We'll do an hour or so and see what sticks." You know what I do? I get three boxes. One yeah. of them says gold, one says silver, and yeah. the other one says certificate of appearance. <laughs> and I get up there with my cards, and I'm like, hey, what about this? Blah, 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 blah. And if it gets a big laugh, it goes in gold. If it gets a kind of a chuckle, it goes in silver. If it dies, it goes in certificate of appearance. So it's, only, it's a theatrical presentation. You've got the boxes. So. But the thing that so fascinates me about stand-up is after 38 years, I still don't know what's going to work and what doesn't. Yeah, it's how can you really? And that's what makes her fascinating. Yeah. That's because if you said to me before we walked in, hey, pick the four cards that are going to work the best, yeah, yeah. I'd be dead wrong on two of them. Right. Well, I don't even write cards. I, I have outlines of things, and I do it through talking. Yeah. So, like, and a lot of my writing happens on stage. So when it when it happens for me, like, I have to corner myself into a situation oh where I have God. to be funny to get out. So when something's delivered to me, it's literally like, where did that come from? Wow. Do you know, like, now, do, you, what, do you then run off stage and start writing it down? Or? Well, I do, and I, or I just keep repeating it. Yeah, yeah. And, until it's, but it all sort of organizes itself yeah. on stage, so it's almost like the muse or whatever it is. Like, it comes out of the air, and I've become kind of fascinated with that. I know it's my head, sort of, but it's in that moment where, like, you know, I, got, I know I got a funny idea, but I don't know where it goes, and I'll do the funny idea. And in that moment where you have to be funny... yeah. It'll come out at some point, and you, or it won't. Oh, it, and you're going, where the hell did that exactly. come from? Yeah. Yeah, that's the exciting part. And that is the exciting part. It's when you, you're taking something, you're like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, you just remind me. Like, I did something last night. I got a... Uh, Write it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a story of my life. Note cards and notebooks with things scribbled on it. It was just a funny moment about... You know, like not knowing what woke is, like what does woke really yeah. mean? And and then like when somebody's anti woke and you're talking to them, the idea is like, so so you're the you're the not woke. Oh, well, then then I'm definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what I am right, anymore. Right, right, right. But it's sort of like I know I'm not like you, whatever that is. But I don't know how to frame it. So but. when you when you go to do a new one, I mean, you're committing yourself to a year of. Of hard work. Totally, totally. That's what I did. Like, I, well, I don't know about you, but like during the pandemic, I had moments where I was like, you know, like, I don't even miss it. And then I got I got booked on the New York Comedy Festival. So from the day we could start working again out here 
to November, I was just like, I got to do a whole new hour. I got to figure it out. So I booked a residency at uh, Dynasty Typewriter, small small theater, every Tuesday, and just hammering out comedy store, yeah. hammering out building. And I don't know where it comes from, Jeff. Yeah. And I and you never know if you can do it again. You that's don't. the weirdest thing. That's, that's the that's the scary thing about it. Mark. Right, it's scary. Right, you're like I don't know if I can. I don't yeah. know if I got it in me. And then you just start. Then, but you've done it. How many times when you really look at it? It doesn't matter, though, does it? Well, every time, you know, I've done like seven or eight albums. Right, so every right. time you do an album, you're starting from scratch. Exactly, but you don't think of it that way for no, some reason. No. It's like it's like you were saying, you feel like the new guy all the time, because every time you start that process again, you're like, I don't know if I can do it. Or do, you, or, or do you have like one little piece of it that you cannot make it work, and you're like, crap, I know this is funny, and yeah. I cannot make it work, yeah, cannot yeah, make yeah, it yeah. work. And then one night... On stage, something just comes out of your right. mouth, and it gets a big laugh, and you're like, holy it hell, it that's, just worked. That's my whole process. Yeah. That's the only way I can do it. Wow. But that's the good part. Yeah. That's the Oh, there's no better feeling in the world. Right. It's not the polished end thing. No, it's better than an orgasm. Yeah, you're like, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is awesome. When you walk off, and you're like, and no one would even know which no. moment it was. No. Because it's usually one moment. Like, you know, you've got jokes But you're laying work. in the bed that night going, hey, crap, it, it worked. Yeah, where'd that worked. come from? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank God. Thank God. But that's the other thing. Like, I, I have to assume, because I've done a little homework on you, not much. But your faith has gotten you through in a lot of ways? I mean, it's just always kind of been always, always been there. there. Yeah. But like like in dark times, like, you know, when you, but like, do you feel like, do you hold it responsible for, for the being, because you didn't get screwed up. You got a nice woman. You got, you know what I mean? Has it always been there in, in a real, yeah, in a I, present way? I mean, way? I guess so. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, in, Leno influenced me. Or, you know, if you work clean, you'll always work. Right, I'm like, right. well, okay, well, sure. I want to work. I, yeah. So, but, but you don't strike me as an, uh, uh, a fundamentally dirty guy. No. I mean, you know, like, if, if that's what you are, that's what you're going to be. Right, yeah. right. Uh, you I, know. Even in the new special, you know, you take it right up to the edge with porn. If, if you're not gonna, you don't go too that's, far. Uh, that, but that's always the guy I've been. I, I walk right up to the edge. Like my mother used to say, if I told you not to cross a line, yeah. you would walk right up to it and yeah. balance on one foot right. over it, but right. you wouldn't go over it. You right, know? and I can feel it. With your audience, right? Because I can feel like you know, you know, right where the, you got to stop, and they wouldn't, they would be disappointed if I went over it. I think. Um, no, I think so too. They'd be like, "Well, that got a little, you know." You know, but but it's like with my faith. I see, well, I mean, it's faith. It's like you either believe we're an accident or that we mm. were created, right? You right. Know? Right. And so, that, I mean, that's pretty. Easy. Which side of the fence are you on? Well, right. I think we're pretty amazingly complicated to just be an accident sure, and sure. so i'm like okay we were created well if we were why well we had yeah. to be created with some kind of purpose i think mine was to do this okay. this was my gift sure. i think this is your yeah. gift yeah. this is yeah. some people they're good at wiping old people's asses you yeah. know that's yeah. their gift well you know what you know i think a lot of people are gonna have to do that whether it's their gift or yeah, not yeah right but <laughs> but yeah. so but you know, I, I'm not one of those people, if if what I believe makes me be kinder to you, yeah. be kinder to my wife, right. be more accepting of other people, then how can you look at it and go, that's a bad thing? Oh, no. no I'm, I'm, I'm not here to judge, but it's just so funny because I, I, you know, the way I work, if, if what I'm doing it makes me kinder or better to other people, better to my wife, is usually because I, I really did a bad job of it. <laughs> 
it's not because I learned some lesson yes. uh, from the from the Bible. It's because like I got a lot of hurt people back there. Yeah, right. You, yeah. Well, that was my dad. You know, he was oh, yeah. married six times, and <laughs> yeah, he just couldn't keep his pants zipped. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time he had zipped them, the world blew up, and he just kept walking. You know, so. <laughs> Yeah, is he still around? No, he yeah. died in a car wreck in '99. But oh, he was a carrier. He was funny though. Yeah, he must yeah, have been. Funny. He was funny. He could, yeah, he could talk to women. He yeah, could, he was. Well, good. It sounds like it. Yeah, six. He, do you have a lot of step uh, siblings? No, I actually have. I don't. But you would think that I would. But because, he didn't. Huh? He didn't uh, last that long. No, he. Oh. Uh, and and he used to be like a deacon in the church. In fact, I think he got. Wow! When my when my little brother was born, I think he got caught in bed with a church organist or something. Wow! He was a player. I mean, yeah. when you're doing that in the church, yeah. You know. Well, you know those a lot of those guys. Not yeah. To, but yeah, and he left. You know, they got divorced when I was like eight or something. Sounds like he was probably so, better off. So for me, yeah, for growing up without a dad, right, it became. Like once I had kids, yeah, it was very important for me to not let that happen. Sure. So even though I had a job that was taking me on the road, I was paying to go home that night so I could get there and take my kids to school the next day. That was oh yeah, that was the priority, wow. and so that probably kept me out of a lot of trouble. Sure, know. sure, responsibility. Yeah, and uh, and 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 honoring it. Well, having kids changed i i tell people the day my first kid was born that's the day i became responsible mm. yeah and they turn out okay they're great okay oh, they're great congratulations yeah got a new special you got good kids a new grandson yeah my my kids they my kids even want me to live close to them they're both like nine minutes away well yeah that's because they want you to babysit yeah don't be well, fooled <laughs> And I do, and I do. So. All right, man. Well, it was certainly uh, great to catch up. It's been a while. Yeah, man. It, it's been it's it's thirty five thirty five years. But but it's but it thrills me because I know you're one of these guys. We can't help it. This yeah. is the thing that uh, yeah. this is the gift we were given, and yeah. it's like, what are you going to do with it? But yeah. to see you do so well with it and be uh, successful with it, and you're like, yeah, that's cool. Well, thank you. And I think the older we get, we understand. Comic minds understand each other. Look at comics; it's like we're a secret society. We dude. are. We, we're it's like a, like some weird brotherhood. Even the like the, the fact that like you know whatever it is, however anyone judges us or however it, it does, the fact that you know you and Ron White are on the road. Like we, there's a tolerance and an acceptance and an, a weird understanding we all have. Uh, even the worst of us and the best of us, we know all the different kinds. We do. But there's still, you know. But just... people ask me, who's the funniest person you've ever known? Yeah. And I say, Ron White. Of course. Yeah. yeah. You, I, I, he's right up there with me, too. Oh, my God. He's made the funniest, just naturally funny human. But he's also the around. guy where you're like, how is he still alive? Yeah. Yeah. Do you is want it... him to marry your daughter? Hell no. <laughs> But God, is he uh, funny? Oh, God, he was telling me the, how he fucked up the last marriage. And I was like, dude. <laughs> he marries them all. I'm like, Ron, just date. Yeah. Just dude. date. What's going on with his, uh, the, what's he got? He still got that ceramic business down in Mexico? Yeah, I, think, I think the ceramic, I still got one of his ceramic pots from that business. Is he in the tequila though. business still? He's still in the tequila business. All right, well, say hi to him for I me. will, buddy. Nice talking to Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and by the way, that I, whatever, however much shit you had to go through, whatever aggravation that you had to go through to get that last story on that special, on the new special, uh, what was it? What's the special called again? It's called The Good Old the Days. The Good Old Days. That last story, it was worth it. It was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, sir. Yeah.
That was Jeff Foxworthy. Nice guy. And the new special is called The Good Old Days on Netflix. Here's some uh, Stratocaster for you. Straight into the champ. Monkey in La Fonda, cat angels everywhere. 